Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 today. We already read through Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. We're going to be in Isaiah 9 and look at a very uh, famous verse, one that you guys know have heard season after season, Christmas after Christmas. And uh, I'm excited to look at it once again. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the gift. Amen. It's really true. It's the gift we're looking for. It's the gift we desire. He is the gift that we want. The whole, the whole earth doesn't realize it. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the gift from God the Father to the earth, a present wrapped for us, sent to us. And it is actually the gift, not that, we, not that we only wanted, but it is the gift that we actually have needed. And the gift we need every single day is a relationship with him. What's Christmas really all about? Some say Christmas trees and lights. Others say Santa Claus and reindeer. Some say pumpkin, pumpkin spice lattes and Christmas cookies. To others, it's gifts. When you're a child, you can't wait to see what you're going to get. You remember Christmas? I remember. Me and my brothers would get up in the middle of the night and go look at the gifts, and we'd try to shake the boxes, and we wanted to figure out what was going on under that tree. But now, it's not so much about getting gifts as we are older. It's about wondering whether or not someone likes our gift, huh? We get something for them, and I love those awkward moments. They're fantastic. You give them the gift, and you're like, okay, you know, what do you, th-? you can see you're like staring at every single detail of their body language and face, and that causes them to be uncomfortable because they know that you're watching them. And then as they open the gift, they can't help but be awkward, and then you can't tell if they actually like the gift or not. It's fantastic. This is our society. Heard of a story, maybe you heard it, about two weeks ago, two weeks before Christmas, a little boy decided to write Santa a letter, as most boys would do. Young boys wanting these gifts. He said, dear Santa, and then he stopped and scratched it out and said, no, I'm going to go to a higher authority because I don't know if Santa can do this. So he decides to write a letter to Jesus. He says, dear Jesus, If you get me a bike for Christmas, I will be good for two weeks. And he scratches that out. He says, no, no, no. I can't be good for two weeks. So he starts over again. Dear Jesus, if you get me a bike for Christmas, I will be good for one week. Then he scratches that out and he says, no, no, no. I can't be good for one week. So he quickly runs to his father's study. And he sees the nativity scene sitting there. And he grabs the statue of the Mother Mary. He then runs back to his room and grabs a blanket and wraps Mary in the blanket very, very tightly. He then sits down again to write, and he says, he writes, Dear Jesus, I have your mother. If you ever want to see her again, you will get me a bike for Christmas. I had a little boy, probably around five or six years old, a couple years back, approach me, and because he wanted me to, He wanted to wish me a Merry Christmas, and I asked him, do you know what Christmas is all about? He said, yeah, of course, it's about Santa bringing us gifts under the Christmas tree. I said, well, that's a part of it, but do you know that it's Jesus' birthday on Christmas? He said, oh, really? 
I said, yes. Do you like to get gifts on your birthday? He said, oh, yes, I love gifts. I said, on Christmas, we should be giving gifts to Jesus because it's his birthday, but instead, many times, we only give gifts to ourselves. But Jesus gave us the greatest gift of all, forgiveness of sins and the gift of heaven. A few seconds later, his little sister walks up. She's maybe three or four. Again, he's the older brother. And she says, Merry Christmas to me. I said, do you know what Christmas is all about? Before she could answer, her little brother says, it's Jesus' birthday. So Jesus brings the presents to Santa, and Santa brings them to us. And I laughed. Christmas is the celebration of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the earth. But he did not come without a plan and purpose. He was born actually to die and to conquer death and resurrect to new life. He came to give us the greatest gift of all, forgiveness and a relationship with the God who made us. It's literally what the whole season is all about. And it's amazing how wrapped up we are in all of the other things, which they're fantastic. Wondering what are we going to do about Christmas and gifts and, you know, time around the tree and family and how are we going to meet people and how do we keep all these regulations, especially in this season? Christmas in L.A. is really different. Not very many people festive, driving like crazy. People are more irritated. But if you take a little time with people and are sweet to them, they will lighten up and you'll get a Merry Christmas sometimes. Like doing it at the grocery store, is buying some gift cards. And the lady there is checking, checking uh, the gift cards out. And um, I was standing there talking with her. And... You know, we can either just do this transaction or you can start asking, how are you doing? You doing okay? You know, has this season been crazy? Has it been a lot busy? And before you know, they start opening up a little bit because they see you're a different customer and you're not just there just to do a transaction and walk away. And it's wonderful because when you see somebody even brighten up for a second here in L.A., it feels, feels like a win, you know. And you watch them say Merry Christmas as you leave. You see the, the lady there ringing the bell for Salvation Army coming in, and she's yelling Merry Christmas to everybody, and I got my flat bill hat on, I got shades on, I got these, uh, you know, oversized clothes on, walking up to the grocery store, and she probably looks like, who's this crazy, you know, he's not going to say anything to me, but she kept yelling Merry Christmas, nobody would say anything to her, I stopped and said, Merry Christmas, thank you so much for that, I appreciate that, she looked at me like, okay, all right, this guy's weird, <laughs> because nobody else takes time in this city. The family, aren't you thankful that God took time for us to really think through what we are going through on the earth and put together a plan to bring us joy, peace, and rest? The kingdom of God does not meet nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. I heard a street in LA which was well known for its street lights. The people in the neighborhood complained, asking everyone not to do lights this year so people wouldn't show up because of COVID. I thought, sad. Because right over here at the mall, they're charging 80 bucks a car for you to drive through their parking lot of lights. We had our lights up before Thanksgiving. I have a 100-foot redwood tree in my front yard. I'm not even joking. I climbed it, and I put lights. I wrapped it around the thing so they come all the way down so that Eden could be excited. And the neighbors love it. Why am I telling you this? 
because I want to give you real life examples as to how we are to be showing joy and peace and rest in this society. You can get so caught up in the ways of LA, get in your car, drive to your location, do your thing and go back. You got millions of people in this city. Nobody interacts with anybody. They're all transactions, but nobody's taking time to genuinely love and serve each other like the Lord Jesus has done for us. His presence in our lives is the gift. And our presence in other people's lives can be a gift as well. It can be a great burden. When Pope Julius I authorized December 25th to be celebrated as the birthday of Jesus in AD 353, who would have ever thought that it would have become this today? When Professor Charles Fallen lit the candles on the first Christmas tree in America in 1832, Who would have ever thought that the decorations would become as elaborate as they are today? It is a long time since 1832, longer still from 353 AD, and longer still from that dark night brightened by a special star in which Jesus the King was born. Yet as we approach December 25th again this week, it gives us another opportunity to pause in the midst of all the excitement, elaborate decorations, expensive commercialization which surrounds Christmas today, and to consider again the event of Christmas and the person whose birth we celebrate and worship. And I don't know what your plans are for Christmas this year, but I challenge you in the name of Jesus to stop for a moment and just remember in your home what God has done to bring you peace and joy, and rest, and salvation in your home. We got to stop. We got to slow down. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to read one verse, and we're going to break it down to see the gift that Jesus has given. You want to stand for the reading of God's word, even one verse? We'll pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading. It's not my words. It's God's words. And these words that we will read are actually 2,700 years old. 2,700 years old. Speaking to us today, telling us about the day that we're celebrating. Isaiah 9, 6, the prophet Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, it's beautiful out. We thank you, God, for giving us this day. We worship together now as a family. We worship together now as your people. We want to say thank you. Thank you for stopping and doing a great work for us so that we can know you and have a relationship with you. Thank you for working in our lives on a daily basis. Thank you for going with us through the ups and downs of life. Lord, we need you. We need you every day, every hour. You are the gift. The most precious gift in the universe is knowing you. And so, Lord, we anchor in you today, and we ask that our hearts and our minds and all of our being would worship you with all that we have as we look at the precious gift of your Son to the earth. Help us to remember. 
Help us to cherish. Help us to adore, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Unto us a child is born. What child, Isaiah the prophet? You walk up to Isaiah. Isaiah, what are you talking about? A child being born? Unto us a child is born. Who are you speaking about? He is saying this 700 B.C., 700 years before Christ comes to the earth, before he'd be born. Isaiah 7, 14, two chapters earlier, Isaiah writes, he also said about this son, Jesus, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Now, process this with me. If some dude gets up and calls himself a prophet, starts saying that God's speaking to him, and he starts declaring it to a nation, and stuff starts happening, and then he goes on to say this, the sign that you will receive is the virgin will bear a son. Wait, what? The virgin will bear a son. What? The virgin will bear a baby boy. Virgins can't bear baby boys or baby girls because they're a virgin. It cannot happen 700 BC. So what in the world are you saying? This is going to be the sign of the Lord, a miracle? Wow. Now, think about if we were alive in that day and, and it was being told to us as the nation of Israel Notice he doesn't tag 700 years on that. The virgin will give birth to a son in 700 years. If he said 700 years, we'd be like, okay, well, guess I'm not seeing that one, huh? I'm going to miss that sign. But notice how far outside of time God is. He would declare it in one generation and let it take place seven generations later. He is working, he has a plan, and when he has declared something, it will come to pass. But he says, Isaiah says, this virgin that conceives and bears a son shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is very important. Because if all of a sudden a baby shows up and you're like, you go to the hospital, you go to your family's house, like, oh, what'd you name him? God with us. Wait, What? Yeah, I named him God is with us. What? Are you, are you declaring that's God? Are you declaring that God's presence comes through that baby? Are you declaring that that baby permeates the Almighty? Yes. Yes. He is bringing God's presence to the earth and into the lives of of millions and millions of people. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Notice the word given in the text. Given. A gift. A gift. A son is given to us. A gift. Jesus is the gift. The baby born as a gift to give to the entire earth. 
shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God with us on the earth. Yes, this is the gift, and we need it now more than ever. Wow, in this day and age. If I could impart that gift into your life, God with you, God with you in your life, that's the greatest gift I could ever give you. God has promised through the gift of his son, Jesus. Are you ready? God has promised through the gift of his son, Jesus. Are you listening? God has promised through the gift of his son, Jesus, this, these words, I will be with you. 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 Isaiah 41, 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Isaiah 41, 13. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Isaiah 43, 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Why? Because I'm with you, God says. When you walk through fire of opposition, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why? Because I'm with you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside steel waters. He restores my soul. Look, for you to be with me in everything through life, that's a blessing. But for God to be with me through everything through life, there's nothing greater. If the entire earth forsakes me, yet I have God with me, I think I'm going to be okay. It's hard to go through life alone. It's difficult to go through life even with family around you. The greatest gift that we need as a people is that our maker, our creator, would declare to us, I am with you, and I have made a way to be with you through everything in life, through your work, through your marriage, through your difficult circumstances, through your enemies, through your dark days, and through your most beautiful days, I'm here. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm here with you forever. God has declared to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I mean never. Nobody makes that promise. Nobody can keep that promise. To everyone, we can barely keep it to one person here in our society, our spouse. God says to an entire people, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But Lord, they're going to do a bunch of bad things to you. Yeah. And I'm going to keep forgiving them and keep loving them and keep pursuing them and keep laying down my life for them. He's a great king. God's gift to us is that he will be with us through it all. The gift is himself, which is what we have always needed and wanted. Sin is the only thing keeping us from him. And Jesus was sent to deal with that sin, praise God. Sin is the only, watch this. Sin is the only thing that messes up a relationship between you and somebody else. Do you know that? You're like, man, we're friends. Everything's great. This is going good. And somebody does wrong against the other. What does it do? It breaks off the relationship. The same is true with God. The only thing between us and him is sin. 
God says through his prophet, it's not that my ear is dull that I can't hear you. It's not that my hand's short that I can't reach you. I can reach you. It's your sin that separates us. So we need that sin. We need that issue. We need these problems. We need this sin taken care of. How do I take care of it? That's the thing. We can't. We can't pay for it. We need the Lord Jesus, the sinless blood of the lamb to take care of it for us. And that is why he went to the cross. My dad used to sing this song. My dad's a musician and um, he grew up playing organ, you know, B3 and like the big organs and all that stuff. He was, I mean, the foot pedals and everything. He's a pianist and he led worship like in every church and he taught me and my brothers to play and we jam every time we get together for holidays. It's the best. I love it. And I remember my dad used to sing this song, uh, Andre Crouch used to sing. It's called Through It All. The lyrics go like this. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong, but in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend on his word. Old gospel song, I love it. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, he's going to be there with us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Praise God. <laughs> Especially in this day and age. I don't care what side of the political agenda you're on. It doesn't matter. There is no perfect politicians. There is no perfect king. There is no perfect government in this day and age, unless you know of some perfect human beings. No, I, I can't even trust myself sometimes, let alone all that's going on in our country. Jesus is the true king. He is the only one who will save this world and set things right, and he will rule the nations. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. Family, stop looking for a perfect king or nation and start looking to the perfect king who brings salvation. Let me say it again. Stop looking for a perfect king or nation and stop debating and arguing about it. Just stop it. Are they, are they fruitful conversations? If you can determine that there's going to be a few fruitful conversation, then go for it. But if it's not going to happen, stop. We're just causing more problems. We're just screaming at each other in this society. We're not peacemakers. It's not helpful. It's really sad to see what's happened to us. And I feel that, call it spiritual, I don't know what, but the powers that be love this stuff. The enemy just sits back on his throne here in L.A. and laughs at us. Look at I got them all messed up. They hate each other. They're against each other. Kingdom divided will not stand. Even the church against each other. We got to stop this. Stop looking for a perfect king and a perfect nation and start looking to the perfect king who brings salvation. We are blessed to live in this time. If you were born 1,000 years ago, if you were born 2,000 years ago, you were born 3,000 years ago, oh my, oh my. No democracy in those governments. 
oh, you disagree with us? You're dead. Look at, I, look at, I have a microphone and I am declaring the good news in wide open space in a Jewish university. Look, I love a good debate. I love a good talk. And I love to get deep. But man, I hate when I'm upset and angry at the person on the other side afterwards. I can't stand that. My heart can't rest for like hours. You know what I'm talking about? Stop preaching and declaring that there's some perfect government or nation right now and fighting for it at that level and start fighting for Jesus. Stand for what he stands for. And if the government just so happens to align with those things from time to time, praise God. Praise God, even greater that we're not under Caesar Nero who aligned with nothing. He just killed Christians day and night. I'm looking to a future king. I'm looking to a future nation. I'm looking to a future country where my citizenship is. It's called heaven. I'm about to go on vacation there forever. It's going to be awesome. And all of God's people, all people of the world, all nations of the world will worship them in their tongue. They will worship them in their way. We will come together and it will be the most beautiful, magical thing you've ever seen. Finally, peace and prosperity. Revelation 2, 26 says, And to the one who overcomes and continues in my work until the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and shatter them like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. The Lord Jesus is the only one who can rule perfectly and reign perfectly and crush and raise up. He is the only one to do it right. My job is to look to him as the perfect king and not be worshiping any kings on this earth. They're just people, messed up, trying to figure it out like you and me. They've been placed in position, and we need to pray for them. We need to ask God to keep leading our hearts and figure out how to bring some peace and rest to this society by the work of the Lord Jesus. Jesus could have showed up on day one. Angels, are you ready? Okay, it's about time to go in. We got the whole manger scene set up down there. Mary and Joseph ready? Okay, virgin born, here you go. You guys ready? Angels, a hundred million of them. Are you ready? We're going to go down there and just slaughter this place. We're going to take over and we're going to set up the kingdom and everything's going to be done. Are you ready? I'm going to come in with force like you wouldn't believe. Oh, no, that wasn't the pep talk that he gave before he came down to the earth. Now, was it? The pep talk was, Lord, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going I'm to go be born in a small town. What? Why a small town? Why wouldn't you go to, like, L.A. or something? No, small town, small town. Like, what's the population? Like, 100? Oh, oh okay. But, but you're going you're gonna to show up like, I mean, you're going to be born in, like, the nicest hospital, right? No, I was, thinking of, I was thinking of barn. What do you think? Like, animals and stuff. Lord, that's not sanitary. You're going to get infected. Well, Lord, you got a nice place set up, though, right? You got a mansion in like Bentley, like you're set to go, right? No, no, uh, I'm not going to have any place to lay my head. Well, what about the gold? What about the silver? 
What about the bank accounts? No, no. I'm just going to have the clothes on my back. I'm going to go and serve people. What? No, that's not how a king arrives on earth. That's not how the king of kings arrives on earth. There's no possible way. You can't do this. He says, that's my plan. That's my mission. I'm going to level that place through servanthood. I'm going to level that place by my love for people. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another this way. All people will know you're my disciples by the way that you love each other. And he set a beautiful example of what it looks like to rule and reign. And he will return to the earth. And he will set up his kingdom. And we will celebrate. But until that day, we're on mission. Trying to help people find God. And the best way that we do that is by loving and serving them in this society. We need more of that. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Praise God. Wonderful counselor. He shall be called wonderful counselor is the next one here. There's one, two, three, four titles given to him that his name shall be called. He shall be called. He shall be called. He shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Don't want you to miss this. It's not he shall be called wonderful. No, it's Wonderful Counselor. It's one phrase. It's not he shall be called mighty. No, it's Mighty God. One phrase. It's not he shall be called Everlasting. It is Everlasting Father. And it's not that he shall be called Prince. (laughs) but prince of peace. One phrase. Let's look at them. He shall be called wonderful counselor. Do you know of any wonderful counselors or therapists I can see, please? Anybody? Wonderful counselor or therapist? I need some wonderful wisdom. I do. Family, his name is Jesus. He is the gift. His wisdom can counsel and is found in his word. Read it. Why don't you have a counseling session with him? See what happens. When's the last time you spoke with God in prayer about all the things going on? You're missing out on the wonderful counselor. The gift. You're missing out on the wonderful counselor. This is what I want you to remember back to. Would you please remember back to real moments that you've had with God? Real moments. I'm not talking about these surface prayers. I'm talking about those supernatural moments where you're praying to God about a situation going on and you sense the wonderful counselor show up and remind you of some truth and take you where you need to go and you're revived and you're refreshed. The best therapy you could ever receive is going to the wonderful counselor. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. When's the last time you asked for wisdom from God on the situation at hand? I dare you, go home, get on your knees, and just say, Lord, do you hear me? You're either staring at carpet or hardwood floors, or you're bowing to the Almighty and say, God, do you hear me? And ask him, I need your wisdom on this. I need your wisdom in my marriage. 
I need your wisdom in my family. I don't know how to raise kids. I need your wisdom in my workplace. I need your wisdom with this situation that I'm working through, this issue that I'm having. Lord, give me wisdom. Let him counsel you. And then I dare you just to sit and wait. Just sit in silence and wait. Wait upon the Lord to impress things upon your heart. Bring scripture to your mind. Give you a picture or an illustration of something going on. Maybe he brings that person to your mind and you're able to pray a blessing over them. Let's go to the wonderful counselor. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor and also Mighty God. This babe, this virgin born, son, he will not simply be called God, but Mighty God. Mighty. He's mighty to save. Might. We don't use that word very often in this society. Mighty. You don't look at a dude and be like, that guy's mighty. That girl, she mighty. You don't. But it's a powerful word. It's like, I think of Samson or something, you know? You see him rip the gates, rip the doors and the gates off of that castle, take him up to the top of the hill and set him on the hill. Who rips the gates off a castle, Samson? Dude's mighty. Mighty God. Deuteronomy 10, 17, for the Lord your God is a God of all gods, the Lord of lords. He is great and mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He's powerful. He ensures that the orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Who? Our mighty God. He does it. He's working, and that is another gift to you. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, my gift to you, God says. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. The third gift, Everlasting Father. I love this. Not just everlasting, but a true father. Sad Statistics for guys in prison, it's something like 70 to 80% of them didn't have dads. They have no authority in their life. They have no direction. Nobody's speaking into their life. It's really sad because we have a fatherless society. We have men running from family, running from responsibility, running from their marriages, running from their relationships, and brothers if I could give you a gift in the name of Jesus, the best thing you ever could do is just be there in your kid's life. Whether you're married or not, just be there consistently. Show up and love and serve those kids. What a blessing you were doing for mom. Whether you got a good relationship with her or not, she is such a hero. I watch my wife take care of our little baby boy now. He's just three weeks old. His name's Shepherd. We call him Shep. And he is growing, but man, I see Eden, dad wants mom. My little two-year-old Eden wants mom. And little baby boy Shep wants mom. Everybody wants mom. And mom's trying to play hero and do everything she can to lift all this. There's dad running around doing whatever he wants. Brothers, 
Find the balance in your family. Figure out what it looks like long-term and invest. It's the best thing you could ever do. What in the world is God doing, calling his, the Messiah, the Son of God, everlasting Father? Why is that the term that he wants to use? What is that doing in there? Another picture of a father, Psalm 103, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. Watch this. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassions to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He's an everlasting father, an eternal father to us. He loves his kids. God loves his kids. And I don't know why he takes it on, but that's what he has decided to declare, the picture of the father, the true Godfather overseeing all the universe. You know, when I look at my kids, I try to explain this to people now, like, how's being a dad? You know, like, you know, what are you experiencing? This and that. I just say, you know, I love my kids. And I can't explain the depths of my love to anyone for them. And here's the bigger picture. I don't know exactly why I love them, except for that they're mine. Because Eden... She has not done much for me yet. She's only two, almost three. What has she done? Nothing. Little Shep, he's three weeks old. He hasn't done anything but cry and need diaper changes and want food. Sometimes I get a little smirk every once in a while. But really, in this society, when you come in contact with somebody who does something greatly for you, like, I like that person, or even come to love that person, but why does a father or mother love their children so deeply when they have done nothing to deserve it? I love my kids because I love them, because I love them, because I love them, because I love them. I can't explain to you why I don't love other people's kids like that. I only love my kids like that. I love them because I love them because I love them. I love other people's kids, but not like I love my kids. And I am telling you, when I try to figure out why God the Father, the everlasting Father, loves you and loves me, even though I don't deserve it, I can't figure it out. What have I done to deserve endless forgiveness and his presence in my life forever? I cannot explain it. God declares from heaven, I love you because I love you because I love you because I love you because you're mine. You're my kids. He is the everlasting father. God loves us. God loves you. The love of a father, the love of a mother is all in him, and he pours it out to his people day and night, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And man, this means every generation, including this fatherless generation before us. He is the father that this generation needs. And there are some of you here who need to hear that. He is your father. He will take care of us. 
Finally, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Micah 4.3, the Lord will mediate between peoples and will settle disputes between the strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. There is coming a day when you don't need to train for war anymore. Because the Lord Jesus will set everything right and there will be peace and prosperity on the earth, what all of our hearts long for. In the meantime, we do fight for peace and justice and righteousness on the earth, but we don't do it with our fists. We do it in prayer and we dominate with love as Christ did and set an example for us. That is how we win people over. That's how we crush people. That's how we throw hot coals on people's heads. Bomb them with love, I dare you. Bomb them with a grace bomb. <laughs> nice big grace bomb. You give them what they don't deserve. Somebody being a jerk to you at the office, hey, I bought you a little gift card to your favorite coffee joint because I see you over there. God bless you, man. He looks at you like, I'm going to choke you out. I can't believe you did that. Why don't you start blessing people who curse you? Why not? Jesus did. He blessed us. We were his enemies, and he blessed us greatly. He will bring peace and prosperity to the earth. It's on its way, family. We get to fall in light in his kingdom and try to usher that in as best we can. He brings peace between us and our God, the greatest peace ever. You know, one of the greatest things that's fun to discover in life is your purpose. It's that moment in life when you kind of wake up and you realize like, man, I think my gifts and talents and abilities that God has naturally gifted me in are kind of in this lane. And I think God has called me to do this with my gifts, talents, and abilities, whether it's, I don't know, I wrote a bunch of things down so I don't forget. <laughs> yeah, whether it's being the president of the United States or born to run a business or be a blue-collar worker or a teacher. Some are kings and queens. Some are musicians and actors. Others are sports players and doctors. Some are simply to be great mothers and fathers. Others born to preach and serve, whether it's education or medical field or working at the fast food joint, flipping those burgers at In-N-Out. Thank you. Those things are fantastic. Whatever God is calling you to do, and when you find your purpose in this day and age, in this moment, in this day that you're living, the light bulb turns on. I want to declare this to you, that God has you where he wants you right now. He has you where he wants you right now. Well, what's my calling? What's happening right now in your life? That is your calling. Get moving on with it. Do what's right in front of you for God's glory. Figure out what it looks like and start building it. You know what Jesus' purpose was? Jesus had one mission, one purpose. And he and God the Father had talks about it before he came to earth. When he came to the earth, he said, Matthew 1.21, they said of him, you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. That's it. 
You will call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And that was his mission. And what does that do, family, for us? When he saves us from our sins, it brings us into relationship with our God. And now we have the gift of the Father, that he will be with us for all of eternity. Our sins are forgiven. We have relationship with him. We go to heaven when we die. Do you know why we're on this earth? Um, I don't know, to work a job, to go to college, get a degree, buy a house, have 2.5 kids, get an SUV, get your retirement set away, retire, and then play some golf and hang out and then die. No, 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 that's not why we're here on this earth. That's part of it. The main reason you're here on this earth is to love your God. Be with him. Watch this. Number two, to love the person next to you. Love one another. Love your neighbor. And number three, enjoy the earth that he's given to you. Work and play and have a blast. That's it. He created a garden of Eden, said, love me and just love your neighbor and have a blast. This is why we were made and Jesus was made. His purpose him being born, him being conceived, him coming to the earth, virgin born, was for this purpose to save us back to that plan. I don't know what you've been up to, what you've been doing, but God's calling you back to that. Would you just get back to loving God, loving people, and start enjoying the earth? Enjoy some waves. Enjoy some good food. Enjoy friends. Enjoy family. And get on ministering to people, loving them, and pointing them to God. That is the whole point of Christmas. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. Nope. Lord, the Romans are crucifying you. Nobody's taking my life from me. I lay it down. I lay it down for the earth and for my people so their sins can be forgiven. Jesus is the gift. I don't know what gift you're looking for. PlayStation 5 ain't going to do it, but... That necklace, ladies, you've been waiting for for a long time, it, it's fun. It, it'll make you ha It's fun. It, it's like, wow. It's fun for a bit. And then I'm back. That same place. I am telling you that Jesus is the gift that you need and that we need every day, and that's why God sent him. I want to read two poems, and we'll close. What do you say? Two poems in a scripture. Is that okay? I'm negotiating. One Solitary Life, Dr. James Allen Francis, One Solitary Life. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30 when public opinion turned against him. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 years old. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, 
And today, Jesus is a central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. He was only in the public eye for three years. And he has impacted the world. Jesus said of himself in John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's the purpose. C.S. Lewis said the Christian story is precisely the story of one grand miracle, the cross. One final poem. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. That's what we need. I need saving every single day. Every day, I need Jesus. He's the greatest gift ever given. He's the gift that has saved you from your sins and brought you into relationship with the God who made you so you can get on with loving God, loving people, and enjoying the earth around you. That's why we're here. That is the message of Christmas. Amen? We're going to close in prayer, and we're going to turn our lives over to the Lord and remember this great gift, and we'll close in a worship song. What do you say? Let's all stand up. Lord, we come before you now. Father, do you hear us? You sent Christ Jesus into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost, chief of sinners, Paul wrote. And Lord, we recognize why you came. And Lord, we have all these other things. A lot of, we have a lot of things in life that a lot of other people don't have, and it still doesn't satisfy all that we need inside. But Lord, our relationship with you is what we need, and that is why you gave us the gift of Jesus. We needed a Savior to save us from our sins, to save us from hurting each other, to save us from the broken relationship with you, and to bring us back to our Father. And Lord, we turn away from our sin now. We know what's going on inside. We choose to confess that sin and say, Lord, get that away from me. Choose to turn away from sinful ways and desires and turn to you with all of my life again on this Christmas Sunday. I want to make you Lord and God over my life, King and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new again. Raise me to life. And I pray that your presence would show up now more than ever, and it would cause me to love and serve people even as entering into this new year. Use us, Lord. We love you, King. Thank you for coming to the earth and not leaving us down here just to destroy each other. Thank you for putting love in our hearts. Thank you for putting peace on our minds. Thank you for putting joy on our lips. Use us for your glory here in L.A. 
We turn to you now with all of our hearts on this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.